following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Good morning. Growing up, uh, I watched the nightly news at 6 and 10. NBC, CBS, ABC. That's how we got our news. Other than the Sunday paper, which was the Minneapolis Star and Tribune, it really seems like so archaic. Um, Three stations at a scheduled time and news stories from one local paper. How could that have like been life? It's so crazy. Um, Now I have access to the news at the touch of a button. Um, Whenever I want to scroll through it and and whomever I want to hear it from, I can do that. Whether it be NPR, Al Jazeera, Huffington Post, The Wall Street Journal, BBC, CNN, not very often Fox, but sometimes the New Year's New York Times, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, BuzzFeed, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Tumblr, Google, Apple News. I mean, I can get it in whatever package I want. We live in a world of the endless 24-hour news cycle, and the options and viewpoints are also endless. Unfortunately, in order to fill the 24 hours of every day and to keep people watching, more often than not, most of the options that we hear lean towards bad news for the sake of ratings. And maybe you have noticed this. I don't know why we like to hear bad news, but we tend to click on it. And and not only is much of the bad news for the sake of ratings, but also for the sake of ratings, news is now tailored to our viewpoint of choice which has led to accusations of fake news and partisan news. And so now, rather than uniting us, news, sadly, separates us into all sorts of factions. Fractures are so deep that it can seem like those who watch CNN live in an entirely different world than those who tune into Fox. These days, the news isn't only bad, it's incredibly divisive. And I know for many of you, it's not just the global or local news that's bad. For many of you, the news might not be good for you personally. Perhaps friends or family are struggling and it all comes to you in real time through texts and the constant feeds on your phone. Perhaps the posts and the blogs you're reading are filled with the pains of people you know personally or people with whom you feel like you have a connection. Many of you know just yesterday Rachel Held Evans uh, died, a, a powerful prophetic woman in ministry who encouraged and challenged so many of us. Women like myself who have been raised in evangelical churches to take a deep look at our convictions to see, man, is really what I believe good news of great joy for all people. She died at 37. She leaves behind a husband, a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a group of followers who found in her the hope of a different kind of church and a new kind of language for their faith. I didn't really know Rachel personally outside of... uh, uh, correspondence like text and this sort of stuff, but it feels like a personal pain when someone who has given you hope can no longer speak that over you personally. Sometimes as we scroll through, it does feel all so gloomy. And I know I can find myself asking the question, really, is there any kind of good news that could hold us all together? Is there anything that might unite us? And it's in the midst of this reality that I want to read again today's scripture passage. It's so short. It says this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you, and this is the Messiah, the Lord. If you have ever heard this verse, as Melody mentioned, you've probably heard it at Christmas. Truth be told, when God invited me about a year ago to live into this verse as the guiding scripture for more than a couple days, I was like, you want me to do Christmas all year? I mean, I know there's Christmas in July, but it feels like excessive, you know? And so, but this is not just a Christmas passage. This is actually the gospel in tweet form. 
This is summing it all up in under 280 characters. Actually, 165 wouldn't have fit in the former format. But now that we give 280 characters, we could actually do this. This is not a passage just for December 25th. This is the introduction and the synopsis of all that's going to come next for God's people. This is a guide to what God has in store for all of us as a result of sending his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It's of great joy. It's for everyone. Today, in a real city, in in a real place, a real Savior is born. And this, this Savior is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, I want to pause for one second before I move completely forward to say this. Small words often mean big things in the Bible. Words like all, no one, nothing, and everyone, these are game changers in the text, and we can skim over them as if they mean nothing. Great joy for all people, all never means some. It's a very simple fact. Similarly, there is no one righteous, not even one, means no one. Uh, Nothing can separate you from the love that is found in Christ Jesus. Nothing simply means no thing. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It means everyone. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. So let me start with this. This is this sort of like newsflash kind of tweet. This is the breaking news that was delivered into the world at a particular time in history. And generally speaking, when God delivers a direct message into the world, it is not just some random conglomeration of information. As a rule of thumb, when God speaks something, it's best not to just place it on the same level of all the other posts. When you sense God is speaking, don't just like scroll past. Take a minute to actually read the text and see if it has anything to say to you. The news in our passage is not scroll past kind of news. And to make that clear, it is announced this way. This is good news of like great joy. And the original hearers clearly understood this to mean that they were going to want to swipe right on this one. <laughs> you know, like this was something that they're hooking up with. I mean, they, they, they really thought this is the text for me. Because when the angels deliver this message from God, they don't come in saying like some sort of gloominess, like I, I have a little bit of a word for you. I mean, <laughs> I have some decent news to share. Um, something to say. (laughs) This is not this sort of like bottom of the glass wouldn't spill over if Jesus shook me kind of news. This is not just like a dribbling sort of drivel coming out of God's mouth. This is not the intonation of how the announcement is given. In fact, it's like what they have to share cannot fit in the standard packaging of just one angel delivery. It required an entire choir of angels to make this heard. When this passage is declared, it comes with this sort of intonation. We have like good news and it's like of great joy. You are not going to believe this, what we have to say. This news is so good that the angels are bursting out of heaven, bursting and ready to ready to share life-changing, earth-altering, breaking news. This is so full kind of news. This is the kind of news that's filled so full to the brim that you wouldn't even have to nudge them for it to be spilling all over the people around them. (laughs) This is not bottom of your glass, can't I got to shake me to get something out of me news. 
This is full to the brim, overflowing from the top, bursting from heaven. All you have to do is run into me a tiny little bit, and it's going to, well, you're going to get wet. I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. You see, I believe this. I believe that there is still better news breaking into the world that in spite of, in fact, maybe even better in the middle of what is taking place all around us, that because of what God has done and what God is still doing, there is better news than what's showing up on our feeds all the time, which is why I'm often spilling over into everybody's lives because I can't help myself. And then this was evident from a very early moment in my walk. Since the day I met Jesus, I simply have been bursting. Now I'm an evangelist and I I know that's not for everybody, but like, I just have not been able to help it coming out my mouth. I I just like to talk about Jesus. And, 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 And this is kind of a funny story. I'm married to this wonderful introvert. His name is Jeff. And when we were just dating, um, we were going to REI. You guys have that store, right? Sporting goods store. And, um, when we were going in, my husband said, um, Judy, can we not talk to anybody in the store about Jesus? <laughs> now, this really wasn't particular to Jesus. It's just like, can we not talk to people, right? I mean, and, and I said, okay, I, I'm not going to talk to anybody about Jesus unless they ask. I mean, it felt like a fair compromise, you know, in our early dating relationship. And so, um, so we went in, and he went to sleeping bags, and I went to tents, you know. And after about 15 mi- minutes, he came over to tents where I was talking to somebody about Jesus. And... Um, <laughs> He, he graciously entered into the conversation, which means he sat silently and nodded. <laughs> and, um, and after I was done, we were walking out the store. He said, can I just ask you what they asked about Jesus? I said, yeah, they asked me if I liked camping. And I said, I always find Jesus when I'm camping. Okay, now, I'm an extrovert, and an abnormal extrovert, and I'm an evangelist. I know it doesn't go down like this, but, but there, there is ways for introverts to be spilling over as well. Is there, like, money spilling out of your wallet? Are you, like, generous on every occasion? Because you don't have to talk to do that. You can write whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. But is there anything that is so full to the top with better news that it would actually leak onto anybody else that knows you? I often wonder. If maybe the reason we as the church are, are largely, largely bottom of the glass, don't spill Jesus on anybody, even if you shake us, is because we are actually quite unconvinced that we have actual better news. In fact, let me be very audacious to suggest that I think many of us are unconvinced about the better news because many of us grow up hearing in the church or about the church news that actually isn't that good. I grew up hearing about the feeding of the 5,000 awesome story. I heard it in Sunday school, but do you know it probably was the feeding of the 15,000? That's better news. But see, women weren't counted. As a young woman, I wasn't so sure I wanted to pass on news where women didn't count. Um, I grew up thinking I had to be able to just believe in certain spiritual things. And and to be truthful, even as a child, my intellect struggled with some of it. A talking serpent, the whole world flooding, uh, the sun standing still, a God who asked a parent to sacrifice a child, an eternal lake of fire for people who didn't believe the right things, maybe even people who never even heard the right things. I wasn't so sure I wanted to go public with this kind of news. I grew up thinking that any sort of error would lead God to abandon me. Man, it's like a crazy little life being on that whoa, whoa, whoa little pinnacle. Like, I, I didn't want to share that news with anybody. It was torturous. 
Now, the better news is, is I think the Bible's so long because it had to list everybody who screwed up in every way, and so you could find God in the next chapter every single time. I mean, the better news is God doesn't throw us away because we mess up, otherwise you would be done at chapter 3, and the Bible's a whole lot longer than that. And so, but I grew up hearing about the fear of the Lord. To be honest, I didn't want to be that afraid, and I didn't want to have to make people afraid. So I didn't tell many people. But there is better news we could tell. The word fear in scripture, it's like the word awe. It's to recognize your smallness in the face of God's bigness. It's to say God is God and we're not and thank the Lord. And then the better news comes when we understand that Jesus is the full revelation of this God. That when God put on skin and came in the body of Jesus, he never threw his weight around. He never tried to overpower anyone. Instead, God came to serve the world and to lovingly lay down his life for the world. And Jesus is the full revelation of God, which means not so much that we're so excited that Jesus is like God, but God is like Jesus. Now, I'm in awe of that because not many powerful people do such sacrificial things. And because of that, I'm no longer afraid. And this is why you don't have to even nudge me to spill over the better news. I want to declare that even in the midst of life and of church, that there is good news of great joy. There is better news, I think, than probably we've heard or been told. And during my very brief month with you, which will go by so fast, I just want to do my best to try to share this better news with you. I want to continue to try to do the equipping work that that Pastor Scott and Pastor Jesse and all your leaders have been doing. I just want to walk alongside you best I can to equip you to go out into the world and maybe spill over just a little bit. Now, this better news is better for a whole lot of reasons. But for today, I'm going to start with just the basic better news, the tweet form better news, what we can know from the one passage. I mean, think about if you read the whole thing. It's full of great news. But this is just a small 165-character passage. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that's for all people. Today in a real city, a real Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. What is the news? Well, the news is this. Today, in the city of David, a savior, which means a deliverer, a protector, a rescuer, a redeemer, has arrived on the scene. This is at the heart of the better news, that a savior has shown up in real time in a real place. A savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. You could pick him up and draw him close to you. The better news is that we have a God that shows up for real, for real. Our God is not a theory. Our God is not a doctrine. Our God is not a set of rules, but he is a reality in real life. And the God we serve is not about someday down the road, but this very day, today in the city of David. Now, today's another important, very short word that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but I want to go on. Our passage says the Savior has come that has come is Christ the Lord. The Greek is Christos Kyrios, and that phrase meant something to the original hearers. Christos Kyrios is the word that's translated Messiah. Now, if you and I want to understand the true impact, the full impact of this news that's being declared, it's important that you understand the the context in which Christos Kyrios mattered. The Messiah, the Christos Kyrios, is the long-awaited hope of the people of God. Christos Kyrios was shorthand for the one we have been waiting for forever. um, You can put up that that slide real quick. Next slide. This is the (laughs) emoji. This is like when they heard Christos Kyrios. Like, like, really? Could Could it happen for us? 
when, right? This is like this anticipatory sort of life they live on that maybe, maybe in their lifetime, while they've waited 400 years, but maybe in their lifetime, Christos Curious might just come. You see, the Israelites had been waiting for rescue as an oppressed people, which means life and circumstances and people have been pressing down on them. You can put up that next slide. Maybe you know this sort of feeling. I mean, you you can really start to feel this in grade school. Like things start pressing down on you. Maybe perhaps you're feeling it right now. Maybe pressures at work or in life or in circumstances or in health. When life is like this, the wait for rescue, man, it seems long. And you are like, Christos Kyrios, could it happen? It, 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 this is the state of mind, the life, the emotion that the Israelites are living in. Oh, please, 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 please. The Israelites have been living as an oppressed people, and they have been waiting for the Messiah, the Christos Kyrios, whom they understood would usher in a new day in a real way in this life. Now, I told you I'd come back to the word today in our text because it's important. The Messiah, the Christos Kyrios, the Christ the Lord, was not going to come save them in theory in a future heaven. That is not what they believed about what God was going to do. They, they didn't think God would save them with like happy thoughts and a sense of contentment while all the crap continued. That's not what they believed. This is not actually better news to an oppressed people. God comes in and nothing will change in your life. That's not good news. People living under real pressure are looking for real help in real life. And the Israelites were confident that when the Messiah came, when Christ the Lord came, he was not going to come and save them in some like future eternal way, like a heaven out there. The Israelites believed the Messiah that they'd been long waiting for was going to enter into their real life and change their real here and now, today. This is what the prophets declared was going to happen. The Messiah was going to bring actual freedom and actual peace. Captives would literally be let go. Peace was not going to be internal. It was going to be actual. When the Messiah arrived, evil and oppression could not stand up against it. With the Messiah, death and the dying in our life would just be swallowed up by triumphant life. With the Messiah, there was going to be no more hunger. Because of the work of the Messiah, the dead were going to rise up. It was prophesied that when the Messiah came, all the ruined cities of Israel were going to get rebuilt brick by brick. And the weapons of war, they were all going to be destroyed. And the Messiah would take all the barren life and and make it abundant and fruitful. Like actually, for real. Do not be afraid, all of you who live under the weight of oppression. I bring you good news of great joy for real in this life. A savior has come to a real city and a real time is going to do real work. This is at the heart of the better news, that a Savior shows up in real time in a real place, changing real circumstances for those who live under the weight of oppression. The better news is that we have a God that shows up for real. And our God is not a theory. Our God is not a doctrine. Our God is not a set of rules. Our God is a flesh and blood deliverer. And the God we serve is not about just someday, but is about today. Our passage says to an oppressed people, a savior has been born to you. A deliverer, a protector, a rescuer, a redeemer has come into the world in the flesh, which means the things that are trying to crush you will not get the last word. 
Which is why after the Messiah arrived in a real body and died in a real body and ascended into heaven in a real body, the Israelites wrote things like this. You can put up the next slide. It says this, we are hard pressed on every side. Crazy thing. We're not crushed. We are perplexed. It's nuts. But we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but it's so insane. We are no longer abandoned. We are struck down, and it's unbelievable, but we are not destroyed in real life. The good news that would cause great joy was not a theory. It was a three-dimensional reality. You see, the followers of the Christos Kyrios, Christ the Lord, this becomes the better news for all of us when we're not devoted to an idea, when we're not devoted to an interpretation, we're not devoted to a text. We're devoted to a God who loved the whole world so much, he put on skin to come and battle real oppression for real people in real life. And I'm telling you, this is better news. It's better news than so much of what the world has been proclaiming and what the church has been proclaiming. The point of the Christian faith is not to believe in an idea. It's to put your faith in a savior that took up three-dimensional space on earth. It's better news. And the end goal of the Christian faith is not just to follow a few rules and be finished, to check a few boxes and it's all good. The invitation is to enter into a real life with a real God, and you could actually follow, as we learned in the, in the children's sermon, we could follow in the footsteps of this Messiah who saves us, who wants to save all people from being oppressed by sin, temptation, anxiety, fear, and all the powers in this world that enslave people. I can assure you the news would get better for all people if Christian people quit checking a Christian box as if the goal was to get to some future heaven. And I can assure you the news gets better for all people when we come into an actual relationship with a Messiah that proclaims rescue, redemption, saving, the end of oppression, not just someday, but today. So let me tell you my great grief. Somewhere along the way, the church began to worship something very two-dimensional, The truth is, what began being proclaimed was as different as this piece of paper is from the tree it was made from. I mean, it is the same contents in it. This this actually was a tree. But it looks nothing like the organic, thriving, 3D sort of thing that it once was. It's been pulverized and turned into pulp and it's flat as heck. This is what has happened to our faith. This vibrant, growing, living thing has been cut down, pulverized, and turned into a flat set of doctrines or truths that you're going to assent to. This is not the better news. Somewhere along the way, we made our Jesus flat and lifeless. And as a result, the Christian faith became something we tried to get people to just wrap their mind around the statements on the page rather than to live their life around the thing in a real life. A set of written beliefs became all we had to assent to. This was the requirement. A belief in a creed. That's all you needed to be one of us. A box you checked, a sticker on a bumper, a logo on your shirt, being on the right side of an issue. That's what we were going to do. That's what orthodox meant. And as a result, this is what our Savior started to look like. Just very skinny. Actually, that's not what our Savior looked like because we also made him white. Because we didn't understand that he was a real person in a real place, in a real time, who had a real body. And that his real body was actually not white. That the people he came that were oppressed were brown people. 
And, and, and the Savior was actually brown. And if we could at least acknowledge this three-dimensional truth, that Jesus did not look like this, it would be better news for so many people. In any case, this is what our Savior started to look like. And I'm telling you today something that I think you know, but perhaps you've forgotten. You can't really have a real relationship with this. Hi, buddy. How are you doing? Got anything to say? Nothing? You can take me in my pocket. Nobody even has to know. This is what has happened to most of our faith. It's like two-dimensional. Nobody would even have to know it's a real life for us. We could stick him in a drawer. We could sum him up in a statement. We, we could just control him completely. I am not following a God I can stick in a drawer, I can sum up in a statement, and that I can control. I am devoted to Jesus, the three-dimensional God who loved me so much that he put on skin to walk with me. My God is alive. The good news that would create great joy for all people, the better news was that God did not remain an idea in someone's head. He was not a good system of beliefs written down on paper. Instead, he showed up in a three-dimensional, fleshed-out life of a real person. I'm not inviting you to be devoted to an idea. I can't do that as a pastor. Man, you have all the ideas you want, but I'd like you to be in a relationship with a real God. I think it actually could be good news of great joy for you and for all people. A three-dimensional faith is better news because it means that as the church, we can be confident that God came to save wholes and not just souls, which means he cares about the actual details of our whole life. Jesus did not just care about your eternal status, but about your present life. And this is better news than a two-dimensional faith that much of the church has been proclaiming. And the Christian faith is far better news when it doesn't reduce other people to two-dimensional pulp, but tends to them as the spectacular three-dimensional living organisms that they are. Aren't you tired of making people felons? Aren't you tired of making people illegal Aren't you tired of making people gay? As if they are just a word on a page that that doesn't even have a life, a three-dimensional organism that could be encountered and loved and lived with. The better news is why we talk about and engage in conversations about justice in this actual world. Because the Christos Kyrios... The Messiah we're following cared about real flesh and blood human beings and called us to do the same, to feed the hungry, to give a cool cup of water to the thirsty, to invite in the stranger, to clothe the naked, to care for the sick, and to visit all those who are held captive by anything. These are not commitments we are making because we are liberal. We are making this because we have a three-dimensional Savior whom we are following. It is this conviction, I think, that compels artists and leadership to continually call you to live your real life as better news in the here and now. It's because they follow, we follow a three-dimensional God. This is why we're fighting here and now against everything that would oppress and flatten people, because this is how the better news came the first time around. Jesus came into my real life in real time, and the moment he did, I knew that my past was not going to determine my future that my circumstances were not going to get the last word because a Savior was born to me in a real city. This good news of great joy isn't just for me. It it really is meant to be so filled into me so that it might have the chance of flowing over into somebody else. I'm so glad you know the good news and that you're filled up, but why aren't you doing this? (laughs) 
It's so refreshing if you actually have better news for the world. The better news proclaims that whatever has been for anybody does not have to determine what they become. Because there's a savior that shows up in the middle of real life and real time and real places and he changes real lives. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy and it's for all people, which means you too. And today in a real city, a real savior is born and he is the Christos Kyrios, the Lord, the Messiah. This is the news that was delivered by the angels the first time around and it was better news than anybody had on their feeds then too. Because you see, it came not just as a truth to assent to and not a bunch of rules to follow, not a doctrine to get right. It was a relationship to enter into. The good news of great joy didn't come as a word. It arrived in the flesh through a human life. You could see and touch and walk alongside. Our God is not a theory. Our God is not an idea. He's way better news than that. He took up real uh, space in in real time to do that. Now, I want to show you just a, a, a quick glimpse of um, something that happens when we turn two-dimensional, three-dimensional things into two-dimensional. Could you put up that next slide? Okay, this this is a a possum. Okay, it was a possum. (laughs) And um, I happened to see it out my window when I was driving in traffic. I'm like, oh, look, it's a possum. Okay, this is what we've done to the news. We've taken something that was meant to live and we flattened it. And the truth is, most of the world finds it kind of hard to look at. And I'm just inviting us to take our two-dimensional faith and move it back into the three-dimensional form that it was intended to be. Because I think people might delight in that a little bit more. The better news I want to proclaim to you and through you to the world is that God is not just two-dimensional and he does not remain far away. Because of his great love, God comes to us in in personal, real-life ways and puts on skin and arrives like a baby in a manger. Think about that, that when God came, he took on the most vulnerable little position like I mean, who doesn't want to just be like, oh, come here, you cute little thing? I mean, this is not the God that came to oppress people with a bunch of rules and do all that. He said, now pick me up and draw me close to you. That's how we'll begin. That's why the gospel in tweet form is not just a Christmas passage, because this is how we begin again and again, by reaching down and picking up the Christos Kyrios, and drawing him close to us, the God who will not overpower you or the the God who doesn't come to go to war with you, but the God who wants to be drawn close into your chest. We have this better news, a savior who doesn't come by force or threat, no armies, no intimidation, just a birth announcement. There is a savior that's been born to you. And an invitation, perhaps you want to draw me close today. I have better news that I want to proclaim that there is a savior who's named Jesus. And for you and for me, I could pick him up any day and draw him close into my heart and be in a real relationship, not with a theory, but with a life. You will find that what has been doesn't have to be when you pick up that life. If you've been captive, you can be set free. If you've been dead, you can be alive. If your burdens are too heavy to carry, Jesus helps. If you've been orphaned, Jesus says, ah, come home to me. Can I invite you to draw this good news of great joy right close to you today? And I want you to hear today that this better news about God in the flesh is better news because it isn't just for some people. I bring you good news of great joy 
for all people. And from the beginning, the context in which this message is delivered makes this so clear because the better news is delivered first to shepherds. You may have played a role of the shepherd in the Christmas pageant, a nice bathrobe, a towel on your head. You were like feeling really great about your role. I played Mary and I was in love with Bo, who was Joseph and I had his baby. It was so cute. And um, I didn't have any idea how that came about at that time. But, uh, but you were most likely really proud to be a shepherd. It's a big part in the play. But shepherds who heard this news for the first time were not proud of the part they were playing. At the time, this good news of great joy was announced to them. They were at the bottom of the social rung. They, they shared the same status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Shepherding was a menial vocation for a laboring class. They were despised in everyday life. In general, they were considered second-class citizens. They were often deprived of all their civil rights and were officially labeled sinners, which is just a technical term for you must have done something to end up like that. But it is these shepherds, to these shepherds, that the good news of great joy is first announced. This is why we don't just do this at Christmas. Because what God did, God does. Even from the birth announcement, it's made clear that Jesus' arrival is better news for those who are going to feel left out or left behind. I assure you, it is better news than the world has to offer, and often even better news than the church has been proclaiming. The three-dimensional God came and said, don't turn people into flat names like shepherds. (laughs) Let's go visit them and share with them some good news of great joy for all people. And that all people includes us today, that everyone, which means everyone, is welcome here. That we believe everyone, which simply means everyone, is essential here. That there are no second-class people among us. That the last will be first because for those of us who have been first, we, we know so much this three-dimensional Savior we want to follow that we don't mind becoming last so others can be first. The dividing walls will be dismantled here. I believe our world is in dire need of this reminder of better news. The news of a rescuer breaking into the real world as good news. My prayer for us is that together we would come to know this, like for real, like not bottom in our glass, God would have to shake us for anything to come out, but overflowing with good news that people would just have to bump into us and we would spill it onto them. We affirm this desire together today as we come to a table. We're invited to take part in a three-dimensional practice where we remember, that word simply means to put back into your membership, like, oh, you were dismembered, cut apart, now you're like remembered. So we take this to remember this real three-dimensional God into our life so that our real three-dimensional life might rescue, save, deliver people from oppression too. Um, This table is an open table. That means that anybody who says, oh, I want to do this, welcome. Just pick up Jesus and remember him right to yourself. And and it's open to anybody. Um, We have gluten-free bread, so let nobody stay away. We practice communion by intinction, which means a fancy word for you take a piece of bread and you dip it in the cup, and then you take both together. If Jesus floats away, just get another piece of bread and put it in there and put it away. (laughs) And um, we're going to come down by these aisles and we'll go back by the side. And um, if you need a second piece, you know, God of leftovers and all of that. So please... Um, And so let me offer the words of institution and pray for us before we come to the table. Um, Children, you can get your children before communion if you'd like. They're welcome uh, all the time. Um, Or if you would like a moment, you can leave them (laughs) and then go get them afterwards. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, oh, we do thank you that you took something three-dimensional and not an idea. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, my real body. It's broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do it in remembering me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's real flesh and blood death until his real flesh and blood life returns. God, we're so grateful that you invite us to a real table, that we're not welcome in theory, but we're welcome as um, flourishing, um, three-dimensional, wonderful lives. God, for anybody who has felt flattened this week, God, we pray that you would acknowledge them as the whole person that you have invited to the table. For any of us who have been doing the flattening, God, we just say, will you forgive us? Um, may you come to us, will you be remembered into us in a way that we might become better news? That the gospel, the good news of great joy for all people might be three-dimensionally lived out this week through us because you've been remembered to us. Be in this simple thing like the bread and the cup. Um, Transform it so it can transform us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I for one just, this is, I I mean, I could talk forever about Jesus, but just one other encouragement is, I, I just don't think it's actually all that complicated not to flatten people. And I think it's actually pretty easy to treat them as three-dimensional humans. And, and maybe if we want to follow Jesus and show up that way, um, you'd be amazed at what it is, a, a kind word, or noticing somebody or calling them by the right name, how that can take them from the pulverized two-dimensional life and, and put them back into who they meant to, were meant to be. And, so, and you, you can be really young and do that. Um, you can be kind to somebody who somebody else isn't. And so even if you don't have words, if I could just encourage you this week to figure out a little of that three-dimensional, don't be a squashed possum. I should make a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and do that. <clears throat> so may the God who loved the whole world so much, he couldn't stay away. So he put on skin to come and travel with us. May this God, whom we know most clearly as Christos Kyrios, Jesus the Christ. May he go before you to guide the way into a life that's so filled to overflowing with good news of great joy. May he go behind you to encourage you that this better news is for all people, which means it definitely includes you, and it means it definitely doesn't exclude anybody else. May he be above you to watch over you. May you know that there is a Savior, a Messiah, who is watching over you, waiting to be drawn oh so close to your heart. May this God go beside you to be your most intimate traveling companion. May you know what it's like to be in a real relationship with a God who shows up in real cities, in real lives. And may he go within you to give you the peace that passes all understanding. This is a peace that makes no sense at all. This is the peace that can come to the whole world when we show up in the flesh for other people as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.